You know that feeling you get, especially when you were a kid, it's Christmas Eve and those presents are under the tree, you know, and you get excited about wanting to open those presents up. Remember that, that, that excitement, that feeling that you had? Okay, keep that thought. Now, you know the feeling you get when you have to go to the doctor? It's a little bit of a different kind of excitement, but it's still, nonetheless, you know, you want everything to be okay, but you're just not quite sure if he's going to give you or she's going to give you good news or bad news, and it's just that tinge of excitement there. Well, every Sunday morning when I get up to preach, I have both of those feelings coming across me. (laughs) And this is the reason why. It's because I never want to get up here and feel complacent. I always want to be here and try to be on point and try to do what I feel like the Lord is calling me to do. And so this morning as I came into this building, I prayed, God, you know, give me the boldness that I need to be able to share your word. And I'm excited to, and I feel that this is what I call a privilege. It's not a job. It's a privilege to be able to be here and to share. And I just hope and pray that we all take our Christian faith that way, that we are privileged to be a part of this movement, this Jesus movement. That's what it's all about. Because it's, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. And that relationship is with a man named Jesus Christ. And so I want to begin this morning with a a, a little story. This is an absolutely true story. I can't imagine that it is, but it is. In April of 1988, the evening news reported on this photographer who was a skydiver. He jumped from a plane along with numerous other skydivers to film the group as they fell and opened their parachutes on the film shown on the telecast as the final skydiver opened his chute the picture went berserk the announcer reported that the cameraman had fallen to his death having jumped out of the plane without a parachute now, I can tell you for, for me, just being up in a plane, I'd be holding on for dear life. But to jump out of an airplane, I would, I would be double checking to make sure I had a parachute on. It wasn't until he reached for the absent ripcord that he realized that he was free falling without a parachute. Until that point, the jump probably seemed exciting and fun. But tragically, he had acted with thoughtless haste and deadly foolishness. Nothing could save him, for his faith was in a parachute never buckled on. Never buckled on. Faith in anything, and let me, let me tell you this, folks, this, this is so true. Faith in anything but an all-sufficient God can be just as tragic spiritually as this man fallen to his death without the parachute on. I like what... Anybody ever read any um, articles by A.W. Tozer or books by A.W. Tozer? 
Very, very good writer, really thought-provoking. This is what A.W. Tozer said. God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things that we can do by ourselves. But if we would just open up and realize the, the impossible, that there is nothing, nothing that's impossible with God. I really like what he had to say there. And I'm sure that you've probably heard this story, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. I like saying that. It's about a world-renowned tightrope walker who came to the Niagara Falls, and he stretched his rope across this thunderous current. Anybody ever been to Niagara Falls? Okay, so you know what we're talking about here. I mean, it's not a little trickle of water, is it? It is massive. And so he stretched his, his tightrope across there, and, and between the United States and Canada, right before the eyes of the breathless crowd, he walked, he ran, he even tiptoed across the, the falls on that tightrope. And guess what he did next? He did it blindfolded. <laughs> no way! There's no way. Then still blindfolded, he did something interesting. He pushed a wheelbarrow across the falls. Well, the crowd went wild when the, when the tightrope walker started to shout, Who believes I can push a man in this wheelbarrow across these falls? This one rather enthusiastic gentleman that was right in front of the crowd raised his hands in the air and he says, I do, I, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Then the tightrope walker said this, okay, come up here and climb in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> that guy looked like a deer in the headlights type of look on his face. They're wide-eyed. And that once, you know, eager spectator slowly slunk, you know, slithered to the back of the crowd. His eager agreement didn't quite translate into real faith, did it? Absolutely not. How many of you would have wanted to do that? Not on your life. No way. So my question is this. Faith. What is faith really? What is it? You know, if you asked five different people, you would probably get five different answers as to what faith is. Here's what one person said said, I have a friend on Facebook who happens to be a, an atheist, and, and she occasionally makes little jabs at people of faith. A while back, she posted a, a quote that said this, people don't need to constantly build up or strengthen their faith in things they know exist. But she followed up that statement by saying this, faith is just believing in something for which there is no proof. That kind of thinking just shows a complete misunderstanding of real faith. Remember, we said earlier, faith in anything but an all-sufficient God can be tragic spiritually. I hope that you believe that. I want to put it another way, and Sarah hates it when I use her as an example. She says, don't use me as an example, but I'm going to use her because I, I, I really do. I have faith 
that my wife loves me. I have faith in that. Fellows, maybe you have the same faith that I do in your wives as well, that they love you. Um, maybe we are, guys, maybe we are a little needy that way. I don't know. Maybe not. And so we all need frequent reassurances of the fact that our wives love us. You know, there may be even a time that we doubt their love. You know, maybe she acts in an unloving way. Maybe we get into an argument over something stupid. Let me remind you, fellas, our wives' love is not a perfect love. But guess what? Neither is yours. It just isn't. You can't put their love for us on a test tube or submit it to scientific testing. You just can't do that. You know, we can have good reasons to believe that our wives love us, though. We can. For one thing, my wife tells me that she loves me just about every single day. She tells me that. Uh, She shows it in the way she kisses me and, and the way she looks at me and the way that she cooks for me. And there could be a thousand other ways that she shows that love. You know, I can't see it, I can't touch it, I can't smell it, but I have faith that she loves me. And fellas, you should too. We should. Faith in God isn't all that different. It really isn't. You can't see God, you can't touch Him, you can't smell Him, you can't put God in a test tube, and, and sometimes your faith will need to be built up and it will need to be strengthened. That's what faith is all about. But there is good reason to believe in God. The fact that there is something rather than nothing, the, the fine-tuning of the universe, the existence of objective moral values that we share, you know, the, in the person of Jesus Christ, you know, personal experience, and, and there's so much more. And, and faith is essential It is absolutely, positively essential for our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely essential. In fact, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know, if faith is so important to God, then... It's vital for us to have a good handle on the full meaning of biblical faith. So the question then is this. What kind of faith is God looking for? It's just a question I want you to think about. What kind of faith is God looking for? Last week we started this series through the book of James and we're calling it Living Out Your Faith in Real Time. Living out your faith in real time. Last week we started this series through the book of James. Uh, and, and so, you know, we, we, we covered chapter one. Real faith for real life in real time. That's what it's all about. So in the first chapter, James talks about how real faith helps us persevere through trouble. It also, he, he talked about how it helps us to overcome our, the temptations that come into our lives and to apply that truth to our lives. That's what he talked about last week. So we're going to chapter 2 this week. 
James goes about defining real faith for real life and real time. And he identifies what I'm going to say are three types of faith. But see, only one of those types of faith that we're going to talk about today will really be saving faith. The first one is this. The first type of faith that James describes is a dead faith. And here's what he had to say. This is from James chapter 2, verses 17, or 14 through 17. I'm going to read it off the monitor here. It says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about the physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. You know, it's really interesting how closely this relates to one of the peanut comic strip cartoon um, that that Charles Schultz put out a a few years ago. It's where Charlie Brown and Linus come across Snoopy and they see him out there by his doghouse and it's in the snow and he's he's shivering like crazy. So Charlie says, Snoopy looks kind of cold, doesn't he? Well, Linus replies, I'll say he does. Well, maybe we should go over there and comfort him. So, So they walk over to Snoopy They pat him on the head like you do a dog, and they pat him on the head, and Charlie Brown says, be of good cheer, Snoopy. And Linus adds, yes, be of good cheer. Then in the final frame, the boys are walking away, still bundled up in their winter coats, and Snoopy is still shivering in the snow with this thought balloon over his head with this big question mark as if to say, what? What? Is that, is that it? Is that it? Faith that is alone, that does nothing, is dead. That's what he's talking about. So I wonder if Charles Schultz had this passage in mind when he drew that comic. Makes me wonder. The point is, just saying, just saying stay warm and be of good cheer is useless. It is useless if you don't do anything about it. Likewise, just saying I believe in God without doing anything about it is, is just as useless, isn't it? It's just as useless. For you see, some people may have been raised in the church and accepted certain realities like the Bible or Jesus as true. Maybe their faith hasn't been tested. Maybe they they just have this instinct or this feeling that there is a God because it has been drilled into their heads over and over again. But it's not, it, it might be in their heads as an intellectual thing, but it hasn't translated from the head to the heart. And so it it doesn't matter really to them. It hasn't changed their lives. It has no effect on how they live their life. Tony Campolo made this point very clear one time. He met someone like that. He said, 
He was in downtown Philadelphia when this mugger jumped out from the alleyway and demanded Tony's wallet. That's a good picture of Tony Campola there. Tony puts his hands up in the air and he says, I'm not looking for any trouble. In fact, I'd like to help you if I can. I'm a Baptist preacher. To which the mugger replied, Really? I'm a Baptist too. (laughs) But he still won't only mugged him. (laughs) That's what we're talking about. That, that Baptist thing didn't make a difference. Talk about dead faith. The message here is that there is a difference between a said faith and a saving faith. There's a difference. Anyone can say that they have faith in God and the Lord Jesus Christ, but you can tell by their actions by the way they live their lives, by our priorities, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, as to how deeply held that faith really is. A dead faith, a faith that does nothing, is absolutely worth nothing. The old saying is this, a faith that costs nothing is what? It's worth nothing. Is that my faith? Is that your faith? Only we can answer that as individuals. But James goes on a little further with this idea. Next, what he does is he describes a demonic faith. You know, and and there was this backpacker who once talked to God. And while he was... Hiking on a mountaintop, this backpacker slid and fell off the edge of a cliff. But luckily, he was able to grab a branch that was protruding out of the mountain face there on the way down. And so this guy was holding on for dear life. And he looked down to see that there was nothing but a rocky um, valley below, 1,500 feet below. And so he's holding on for dear life. When he looked up, he realized that he was only 20 feet from the top where he had fallen, from that overhang that he had fallen from. So hopefully he thought, there has to be some other hikers come this way. And so he starts yelling, help, is is there anybody up there? Please help me. Well, this booming voice that almost shook the entire mountain spoke up and said, and it was God. And he says, I am here And I will save you. Just believe in me. And this hiker says, I believe. I believe. Yelled the backpacker. Well, if you believe, God said, let go of the branch. Then I will save you. What would you have done? This young man considered what God said. He looked down again at that 1,500 feet below, gazing at the valley below there. There was this long pause. And then he looked back up and he shouted, Is there anybody else up there? Anybody, please, just anybody, help. That's how we are sometimes, folks. That's how we are sometimes. That's the kind of faith that James talks about next. Look look at what it says in James chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. It says this, But someone will say, 
You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by, by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. Did you know that the demons have some type of a faith in God? They believe and they shudder. They shudder. That To me, that is an interesting statement there. You know, throughout Scripture, the Bible talks about angels and demons. You know, angels are simply created spiritual beings who serve God and they carry out God's will. That's what they do. Demons are simply angels who, for whatever reason, probably because of pride, chose to serve themselves instead of God. You know, they know God is real. You know, they don't doubt that at all. I mean, you can see right there, they know. But that's as far as it goes. You know, they don't doubt it at all, but that's as far as it goes. Demonic faith wholeheartedly believes God exists, but they don't trust in or rely upon God. They want to have nothing to do with Him. So, if you believe in God, but you don't trust him enough to let go of the branch, it's not going to do you any good. You know, Jesus said this in John three sixteen. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I just did a, a version of an NIV and a King James version of that, you know, because I've memorized it from both both of them there, but let me tell you, what we need to understand though is that there is a big difference, and I want you to hear this guys, this is important, there is a big difference between believing about Jesus and believing in Jesus. That, I mean, it's it's about getting on the boat or missing the boat completely. That's what it's all about. Real faith means trusting Jesus and putting your life in his hands. It means being willing to let go of the branch and to climb into the wheelbarrow. That's what it means. I like what George Muller had to say. George Muller, he had a lot to say about faith, prayer. And I just want to read for you what he had to say. Here's what he says. He says, God delights to increase the faith of his children. Did you know that? God delights in increasing your faith. He wants to do that. We ought, instead of wanting no trials before victory, no exercise for faith, to be willing to take them from God's hands as a means. Are you getting what he's saying? I say, and say it deliberately, trials, obstacles, difficulties, and sometimes defeats are the very food of faith. We should take them out of his hands as evidence of his love and his care for us in developing more and more that faith which he is seeking to strengthen in us. That's a little bit of a different twist on faith, isn't it? But I think George Muller is right on point with that. 
So when those trials and tribulations come your way, consider them as blessings to learn from and to grow and to strengthen your faith. Because that's what it's about, guys. That's what it's about. You know, it will be the difference between a dead, unbelieving faith and a real dynamic faith. Because finally, James tells us that real faith is a dynamic faith. Dynamic faith is faith that's real, faith that has power, faith that results in a changed life. James gives us two perfect examples of what real faith looks like in, in, in real life. Notice what he says there in James chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. He says, Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. See, it was like an oiled machine, you know, working together, together. That, 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 that faith and actions, they were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. That's what he tells us there. For those of you familiar with the story of Abraham and Isaac, you know that God never wanted Abraham to sacrifice his son. He didn't want that. Rather, through his unfolding drama, God was painting a picture that would be remembered for thousands of years of a father willing to sacrifice his one and only son. A story whose final chapter would not be written until Jesus rose from the dead. Even though God stopped him, Abraham's actions demonstrated his faith and made his faith complete. Do you understand that a little bit better now with what James had to say there about Abraham? Because he's comparing it to what he had to do, what God had to do with his son Jesus. Then James adds another example of this dynamic faith. We will call Abraham and Rahab the dynamic duo. Okay? Let's look and read what James chapter 2, verses 25 and 26 say. It says, in the same way, he goes on to say, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Wow. Rahab was raised in a culture that worshipped many gods. But when she learned about the one true God, the God of Israel, she believed the story she heard. She climbed into the wheelbarrow by linking her destiny with theirs. That's what she did. So in case these, these, in, in each of these cases, these, these acts of faith, these, let's call them leaps of faith. They reveal a heart of faith. They reveal a heart of faith. My question is, what about you? What about me? What actions is your faith leading you to take? Are you going to quit? 
Are you just going to give up? Because the boat gets rocked a little bit? Is that what you're going to do? Is that the kind of faith that God wants in you? Is that the kind of faith that God's trying to instill within you? See, the thing that we have to understand is that people are people. We all rub people the wrong way. We all rub, you know, and we're all guilty of it. But are we going to allow that to rock the boat and, and, and flip us out of the boat and, and throw us away? We can't do that. We can't allow that. In each case, these acts of faith, they, these leaps of faith, they, they reveal a heart of faith. So what about us? You know, what, what actions are, is your faith leading you to take? Jesus said the two greatest commandments of God are this. He said in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he tells us to do. Real faith in Jesus will lead us to live out these commands in real life. Whether it's buying lunch for a coworker who's been going through troubled times or donating shoes and coats to kids who can't afford them or providing disaster relief to tornado-ravaged towns or volunteering at a, a children's hospital or volunteering at a soup kitchen or being baptized or, or, or seeking God in, in prayer or worshiping with, with all your heart. There's a million other things that we could be doing. Real faith will motivate us to discover new ways of showing our love for God and for God's people. You know, the Bible, the Bible is clear that we are saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is no amount of good works that can get us into God's good graces, no matter what we do. But it's also equally clear from this passage of Scripture that real faith works. Real faith works. Real faith grows. Real faith keeps on growing. It doesn't stop. And as the song says, faith without actions is about as useful as what? A screen door on a submarine. You ever see a submarine with a screen door on it? What good is it? It's just going to sink. The question is this, do you have faith? Does your faith and actions really show it? You know, when was the last time you put your faith into action? Don't just assume that you have a dynamic faith. Don't just assume that. You know, like the crowd at that Niagara Falls, we all stand at the edge of the chasm. There is a vast gulf called sin that separates us from the holy and loving God. And if you're standing on the American side, looking over in the Canada, Canadian side, what you see is a vast chasm there with a lot of water in it. That's the same way with us here. We certainly don't possess the balance or the dexterity. Maybe some of you do. How many of you think you could walk across that tightrope? There's no way in the world. I would rather take a bullet to the head. There's no way I would do that. But you know what? 
Jesus can do that. He did that. He offers to carry each one of us across. The question is this. Do you believe he can do it? Do you trust him enough that you would get into that wheelbarrow or let go of that branch? I want to close with this last story here. Such a great story. It's the story of a little boy who had been invited to a friend's birthday party. He was so excited and started counting the days until he got to go to that party. But the morning of the party, he was so devastated when he found that there was a blizzard that had struck his town. The snow was falling in wet, heavy flakes, and the wind was howling. I don't think you should go to that party, his father said. The little boy was so disappointed, he really wanted to go to that. So what did he do? He began to beg his dad, beg his dad, beg his dad. Finally, much to his surprise, his dad said, all right, you can go to the party. So the little boy bundled up and put his hat and his coat and his mittens on, and he started down the street to his friend's house. When he got to the door, he just happened to turn around, and he saw his father turning his back to walk back home. It was then that he realized that his father had been walking behind him all the way to make sure he was safe. Are you getting the point? There may be times when we feel like we are alone, but in truth, we are always surrounded by the love, the faithfulness, and the goodness of God. There is never a time when we are truly on our own. Even when we do not believe him as we should, there's never a time. Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. It says this, Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, he will also reign with, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. God will always remain faithful, no matter what. And he has set that great example for each one of us here today. A life of faith begins sometimes with just a single decision. A single step of faith. So this morning, if you haven't made that decision, I want to encourage you to take a step or maybe even a leap of faith and do that today. Put your faith in Jesus and then choose to live your faith Every day. You were made. Listen to me, folks. Stop talking and listen. You were made to make a difference. So put your faith into action. Let go of the branch and climb into the wheelbarrow. That's what you need to do.